0: Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen.
1: And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo.
0: Hey, Nicole, I guess we're going to keep this discussion on soy going, right?
1: Yes, that is the plan. So hopefully, if you are pro-soy or anti-soy, we didn't scare you away, from the last podcast and you're going to stick with us on our continuation of our discussion on soy. So last time we kind of talked about why you might be concerned about it. And this time we're going to talk about building diets without soy.
0: Right, right. You know, and, and we opened up this podcast series talking about food allergies and soy really is one of the major concerns of food allergies, right? I mean, that's something you're, you're getting a lot of questions about. People are, are concerned about that, correct?
1: Absolutely. So sometimes they've done an allergy test and we've talked about how those maybe aren't the most precise things in the world, but they've identified soy as something they think their horse is allergic to and they want to eliminate it from the diet. And also thinking about kind of that big bucket of allergies, there's also this concept of intolerance. So it's maybe not an immune system response, but something about soy maybe doesn't sit right with the horse for whatever reason. So that is something that comes up fairly frequently. So then we have to kind of go through the steps to replace soy, which it sounds like it should be easy, right? Just take the dang thing out and move on. Yeah. But You know, there are a lot of positive attributes to soy that we do have to replace in the diet. So I think the biggest pitfall, whether we're talking about soy or anything else, when you're so focused on avoiding an ingredient or maybe hitting a very specific nutrient spec for something that you lose sight of the total diet, maybe what you're trying to do is good, but you might overall impact the health and performance of the horse in a negative way if you cannot keep the big picture in mind. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. It's not enough to just say, get rid of it. It's how Mm -hmm, do we replace mm -hmm. the nutrients that it was there in the first place to provide.
0: Right, right. And it (laughs) is... Allergies, I mean, allergies are just so complicated. It's, you know, it, what if they have a soy and a wheat allergy? Or what if it's it's multiple things at once? So, again, this is something that that is that is difficult to do. We've discussed it. And I just always want to preface this. If you're ever concerned about anything with the health of the horse, talk to your veterinarian. You know, I've, I've always said that whenever I teach anything health related or talk to people health related, you know, Nicole would agree with me to speak to your veterinarian. Now, when it comes to dietary stuff, someone like Dr. Rambo, who breathes and lives this every single day, you know, feel comfortable reaching out to to her or the tribute team to get some of the this advice that that you're looking for. But you know, when we look at soy allergies, I was really surprised. I mean, maybe upwards of five percent of horses. I mean, you know, they think anywhere from one to five percent could be allergic to soy.
1: Yeah, and that's a hard thing to nail down because there hasn't been any specific study. So people mm. are kind of spitballing those numbers. But even though 1% to 5% sounds pretty small, I mean, based on the population of horses, that's ninety to 450,000 horses in the US. So
0: that's a lot. Yeah. yeah that's a lot. Even if yeah, we go yeah. at
1: the low end. And I would say other horse owners probably feel the same way. You know, with my horses, I'm always like, God, it's so uncommon, and yet I own the one that has X, Y, Z, problems. It's always, so, always.
0: It's so, always. you know,
1: clearly they're out there, yeah. and, you know, maybe some of us attract those sort of things.
0: <laughs> I think everybody thinks they have the problem horse. Yeah. My horse is this. This is their problem, their thick. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, upwards of almost half a million horses in the U.S. may be soy intolerant. So now if if I'm an owner, like you said, you, you have one if I'm an owner, what are the steps? And we didn't really talk about this too much in depth. So I think we're going to talk about it here. What are the steps I can do to find out if it is a soy intolerance or or allergy?
1: Yeah, so to determine if soy is really the issue. So maybe you have the positive blood test, but we know there's lots of, you know, false positives that can happen with that. It's not a perfect test. So, we're going to go in and we're going to create an elimination diet. And ideally, you're going to do this one ingredient at a time, even though maybe multiple ingredients may show up as positive, because you want to separate out what really makes the difference. So, if we're focused specifically on soy, we're going to develop a diet that removes all soy products from your horse's diet. So as we talked about in that feed allergies, the horse is reacting to the protein in soy. Natural protein molecule is what the immune system reads in the body. So it has a surveillance system that's looking for invaders, and it actually recognizes proteins. Soybean meal is obviously really high in protein, but our other soy products have protein in them as well. Soybean hulls have protein in them. We talked about in the last podcast how the way that you make soybean oil might dictate whether or not it has a little bit of protein left. So from that perspective, you know, we're going to want to avoid all soy. So just going out and saying, well, this has less soy in it. We'll see how my horse does is really not answering the question. But what we would do is we would remove soy from the horse's diet for at least a month, usually two months to see, did those negative things, whether it was hives, digestive upset, whatever, did that go away? Now, of course, we can't wrap the horses in a bubble at the same time, so there's usually other changes going on. So for that reason, if we really want to know it's soy, we would put soy back in the diet after that, you know, months to two months to see if those negative things come back. So that's what we would do for an elimination diet. Take it out, see if the horse improves, and then to confirm that was the change that made the difference, we would put it back in. Now, a lot of people are like, you are crazy. There's no way I'm putting yeah, yeah, it back yeah. in my horse's diet if they improve. Fair enough. But, you know, you have to remember you may be doing a more complicated, expensive diet forever without knowing if that was really what made the difference. But that's what we would do be an elimination diet.
0: So you definitely would recommend putting it back in because not only, you know, are you as a horse owner, you're looking at like, okay, if, if, if I have to go soy free, it's going to cost me a lot more money in the long run. But you want to make sure, like you want to make sure that is what is causing it, right? I mean,
1: I would. I mean, maybe that's yeah. just the scientist in me. So I, I do understand where some,
0: you know, you're true. It's, I'm there with you. It's like you listen, know, it is Doctor
1: Rambo, okay? Yes. <laughs> but um, no, I, I do, I do understand. So some, some horse owners yeah. would say, "Hey, my horse improved. I'm not doing well, that." Why? So
0: fair enough. I just. We're, in my mind, I'm like, okay, if it's spring and there's all the other allergens out there that cause, you know, I know I, I I get hay fever in in spring and fall. So if I'm running an elimination diet, when there would be other things out there, you know what I mean? Like it, it's okay. seasonality, like you said, the other factors. So I think that's where we're getting at, like the scientists and us is you reintroduce it, their allergies come back. Okay, you take it away. You're like, okay, it's definitely yes, this. That's for
1: right. sure. It but okay. regardless, whether or not you are willing to take that step. We do need to make sure we replace the good nutrients that soy brings into the diet. So mm-hmm. it's not enough to simply take it away. Part of developing that elimination diet is make sure, make sure we're not shorting them on other nutrients when we do this, particularly if you're going to do it forever. Horses can go short amounts of time without major negative impacts if they're slightly deficient in a nutrient but that deficiency is going to add up over time. So we need to be careful to make sure we are filling that nutrient cup back up with whatever we use as our soy replacement.
0: So yeah, like so what would be some of the the downsides of taking soy out as the protein source?
1: Well, I'd say the biggest downside is it's simply going to be more expensive for you to create a replacement. Because you can't use any one protein source to replace the amino acid profile of soy. So it's more complicated, especially if you're mixing something yourself. And, you know, soy is readily available. It's not as expensive as some of our other protein sources. So that's why it's so commonly used. So we're looking at expense and just complication in the diet if we're having to use multiple things. And we can't forget, we don't just use soy products for protein or really amino acids is the main thing we're looking to add with soy. But we're also using them as a high quality fiber source. Really important if you don't have good hay, or maybe you have a horse who's getting a little bit older who can't grind hay as well. And then we're also using as a calorie source with our soybean oil. So, you know, there's multiple things we might have to replace if we remove all soy products from the horse's diet.
0: So, you know, in, in the podcast prior, we've talked about soy and why it's so prevalent in so many equine feeds. It's it's something that's, that's very difficult to find, you know, products on the markets that are soy free. So I know Tribute, we have wholesome blends. So can we talk a little bit about that? Because I think this would be interesting for the listeners, not so much, you know, pushing a product or things like that. It's how did you formulate this thing? To be soy free. And like you talked about, replacing those amino acids. So, from the expert side of things, because I find it fascinating, you're like, okay, this is what soy provides. Now I need to go out on the market, find something that's readily available, that's not too expensive, that meets all the same nutrients of soy, right? Like it's just, it's very complex, but it's awesome that that you did it. it. So, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to add one more thing to your list, which is safe and consistent. It
0: doesn't
1: doesn't matter how good an ingredient is if I can't have a consistent source, both in terms of nutrient spec, as well as availability year round. And it has to be safe. So I know that the way it's handled, the way it's stored, all of those things are conducive to making a product that is safe for the end user, which is the horse. So a lot of different things have to come into play to make something an acceptable ingredient to use in one of our feeds. So Wholesome Blends, when I looked at that concept, you know, my main thing was I don't want to make a soy-free feed that's inferior to the rest of the Tribute line just to avoid soy. As a nutritionist and also as a horse owner, I'm just not okay with that. So if I'm going to formulate something for Tribute, it has to be that same quality standard as everything else in the line. And I want to make sure horses feel good, perform well, can do their job, support their health and wellness for a lifetime, not just a short amount of time, on the product. So looking at that replacement for soy, there was kind of a long list of things that made an ingredient acceptable. And then we look at the nutrient specs. Like I said, you can't just be like, oh, let's pop in one, and you're done. So what I wound up coming up with was a blend of protein sources, to fill in that gap that soy created. So one of them would be linseed meal. So that's high in protein. One of the problems with it is it's not a great lysine source. And lysine's the number one limiting amino acid in horses. The good news is it is a pretty good source of methionine. So it does hit that number two. One of the things that is pretty high in lysine would be peas. So we did incorporate peas in there. Um, They're actually loose. So you see like the green pea
0: in your horse
1: feed. And um, so that brings in some lysine. It's also expensive. So it's not like I could put a lot of peas in there. So looking for another source of both crude protein and more specifically good amino acids I landed on using some alfalfa as well. Moderate source of some of those amino acids. I couldn't use any one of these by themselves. But all combined, they actually do a really nice job of providing a comprehensive amino acid profile. And I don't know if we've really talked about this yet. But even though a tag, the first thing on the tag is crude protein, people will be like, well, I need a 14% or I need a 12%. I do not get worried about that at all. (laughs) What I'm looking at are the amino acids. So protein in the intestinal tract of the horse is actually chopped up into the little pieces that are called amino acids those are what's absorbed by the horse and then used by the body so it doesn't matter how much protein is there if we don't have the right amino acids and one cool thing about that there's lots of protein in hay it's missing some of those amino acids when you provide the amino acids that are missing in hay it helps the horse use the rest of the protein in their diet so if those amino acids aren't there they're just going to urinate it out but if you provide those missing ones, it lets them use the rest of the protein in their diet for muscle recovery, build top line, all of those great things. So, that protein quality is really important. And we wound up using those multiple sources to achieve that. Um, you know, also, I use a lot of soy hulls in tribute because, like I said, it's a great source of highly digestible fiber. And let's face it, there's a lot of situations where horses either don't get enough hay or don't get enough quality hay. Maybe you're in a boarding situation and you know it's this number of flakes per day. Well, we can help support that by using high quality fiber in our additional feed. So, you know, we use a lot of soy holes for that reason. So I had to look at other fiber sources. And again, we used a blend of fiber sources. So two common ones. So the alfalfa, not only does it bring in protein, but it also brings in fiber beet pulp which is of course a staple in horses diets and then I also use some sweet potatoes as well so those are loose in the wholesome blends feed they're a good source of fiber in addition to those more common ones so we used a blend of fiber sources which is actually my preference regardless of the feed um, because we get different fermentation profiles in the hindgut of the horse that's more closely going to mimic what happens in a natural grazing situation. It doesn't all come from a very specific fiber profile. Usually they'd be eating mixed grasses that are all a little bit different. So that helps support hindgut health. And then the final thing we got to replace the soybean oil, right? So I talked about, you know, we use that expeller pressed soybean oil, which is fantastic, but it's going to have tiny bits of protein left. And if your horse really was allergic to soy, even that little bit could cause problems. So, for that reason, we actually use canola oil instead. So, you know, we had to look at an alternative oil application system in order to put that on because traditionally we use soy oil.
0: It's complex. It's complex. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it is. Let me yeah. tell you. So, we make, you know, one advantage to us is we make all of our horse feed in a single facility. Mm-hmm. which means I didn't have to go do this across lots of facilities. It also helps from a consistency standpoint and in ingredient sourcing. But let me tell you the look on the production manager's face when I went to him and said, Hey, I need you to spec out what it would take <laughs> to put in an additional oil application system for my new feed. yeah Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, 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 oh, yeah." I've been to the facility. It's beautiful there. It's it's pretty, pretty state of the art. So, okay. So if this wholesome blends, What type of horse is this feed for?
1: So Wholesome Blends is actually a line of three different feeds. So it's a sub-brand of Tribute. And we developed three. The goal being let's meet as many horses' needs as possible. So it gives us some flexibility. We have a ration balancer. So it's the Wholesome Blends balancer. If you're familiar with the Tribute line, super similar to Essential K, which is our flagship ration balancer product. Same feeding rate, so it's highly concentrated in nutrients. Feeding rate is really small, so that makes it low calorie. Great for our easy keepers. Those horses that get plenty of calories from their hay. We still need to fill in the gaps, and the balancer does a great job of that. We have Wholesome Blend Senior, so that's a 14% protein, high fiber, 8% fat product. Very similar to Kulmanesian specs if you put them next to each other. And It says senior in the name, but it's not just for seniors. So it's one of those feeds that's very flexible. It's appropriate for a lot of horses because it is lower NSC, moderate in fat. So it fits a lot of different horses needs. And then finally, we have the performance feed. That one's going to be higher in fat. It's a 10% fat. It also is a little higher in NSC. So it's in the low 20s. So it would not be appropriate for the horse who had a metabolic condition like insulin resistance or Cushing's. However, it is meant for those performance horses. Can you see the naming scheme? (laughs) Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. yes. Make it easy, make it easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So performance is really meant for those horses who are working really hard. They need that additional NSC in their diet to replenish glycogen stores. So really... The idea here is we could touch a lot of different horses' needs. You can even get cute and do a little bit of mixing and matching. So you'll notice I don't have a growth feed in the lineup. However, if you have an easier keeping growing horse, the balancer would be very appropriate. I actually feed a ration balancer to lots of growing horses because I don't need as many calories as a growth feed. But let's see you have a harder keeping growing horse. We can combine the balancer along with Wholesome Blend Senior. So you get that lower NSC, additional calories, that's going to decrease your risk of developmental orthopedic disorders. Adding the balancer to it really bumps up the nutrition level to that, which is required by your growing horse. So there's a lot of different ways we can combine them to meet a lot of different needs.
0: That's, uh, yeah. I mean, I I just go back to, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, I got to take this out, this major component of an equine feed, almost one of the ones you start with and replace it with all those things. It's fascinating, it, uh, you know, what you've done with the, the line. And then you just have this wonderful soy-free, uh, you know, option available out there for owners. But now fascinating discussion on, on this, you know, and, and and again, if you have any questions or, you know, anything related to soy please reach out to us on facebook or instagram you know post your questions and and we'll see if we can address those in a future episode also if you're enjoying this podcast please share it with your friends you know it's quick 20 minutes you know learning learning about what you're feeding your horses might even make you think about things you're eating so you know reach out to us let us know what you think about the podcast but uh we'll be back next week with with a new topic but fascinating stuff nicole
1: Yeah, thanks for chatting with me about it, Chris. If you are interested in Wholesome Blends, reach out to us and we'd be very happy to work through your horse's diet and what might be the right product for them.